Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Me, Ben Hobson. And me, Jane McGuire. Today, we're talking with Charlie Dark. Uh, how's the running going? Let's start with you, Ben. You're looking very sporty. What's going on? Well, yeah, I'm in my bike kit because I've been out on my bike, <laughs> if that's what you mean. I mean, I, you know, I feel like I normally look quite sporty, but I've really gone for it today for this. Yeah. Um, I've got my first race next weekend. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. I've got a 10K. Um, former guest, Tyler Williams Green, who is the founder of the Outrunners, they've got a race. Um, again, raising money for uh, young people in Hackney. And, uh, well, that's what the entry fee goes towards. So at the Olympic Park um, community track, so it's a it's a ten k track. Ouch! Great race, yeah. I can't even remember the last time we did a race on the track. I'm pretty excited, mate. That's are you are you, are you going for it? You going for a time? Uh, no, because I, I I have no fitness. <laughs> I will go for a time, and it will be the time that I get <laughs> nailed it. What is that like? Twenty five times round? I don't know, Jane. I have to work it out. Uh, yeah, it, it's round. It's not round a normal track. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there we go. Ouch. Uh, I will be using fancy shoes and caffeine gels to aid my performance. <laughs> I like it. Mate, that's good. That's an exciting development. Yeah, it should be really good. Jane, Jane you've been discovering stray dogs, is that right? Yeah, I've got I've got two two stories to... I did my first race back, but I think the more exciting story is that on my, <laughs> my long run yesterday along the Thames path, I spotted a dog under a bench on my, my way out. I ran to Hammersmith Bridge, turned round, and the dog was still there about half an hour later on the way back, and I thought, mm, that's not right. So I, I called the number, tried to reunite, reunite Max with his owner, and um, Max got a bit scared of me in all my running kit and ran. So then I chased Max for five miles, and this story has a happy ending, listeners. Max is now fine, but I did an unexpected like sprint session in the middle of my long run. Um, and that's one way to get a negative split, is all I will say. It was very eventful, very stressful, and yeah, it it was a bit manic. So for any any of our lovely listeners who saw some mad woman ch- running around Fulham going, has anyone seen a black dog? That was me. <laughs> but I also did my first race back. I did the run through Battersea Park, Chase the Sun, I think a couple of weeks ago. And it was great. I was... I was kind of a bit nervous, I think, about racing again. And it was I just found it really emotional, like everyone kind of cheering and runners kind of back doing their own thing. And it was it was just great. It was really special. So um, I'm glad I did it. 
Got a PB. Got a PB. Got a, like, I'll share with you the photos, not the listeners. Um, the, the My technique was throw my body across the line, and it was very dramatic, oh, right. a very dramatic finish. <laughs> um, but got a PB by 10 seconds, so there you go. Yeah, what about you, Rick? How's the, the post-ultra running? Yeah, so I, I did my first race after the, the South Downs Way 50, so it was up in... Um, Went up to Northumberland and did one of the endurance life uh, races up there. Uh, did the half marathon. It's really beautiful up there. It's like it's like a sort of quieter version of Cornwall in some ways. Like these massive, expansive, uh, sandy beaches. And a lot, a lot of the run was on um, the beaches in the dunes. And uh, oh, that oh, it, was great, it was great to be oh, back. That it was great hard. to be back running. It was actually a lot, it was it wasn't as hilly as that that sounds actually. But um, oh, I love I love being back sort of running, like running relatively quickly and just. Um, yeah, I, I was like, I, I felt like, yeah, I felt quite emotional at the mm. end, actually. It was like, this is great. And it, didn't, it felt like a real race again. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't feel like the fact it was a staggered start detracted from, from it one bit, really. And um, everyone was lovely. And uh, yeah, great to be back. But it, it kind of made me realise that, yeah, I think my heart is in the kind of shorter distance stuff at the minute rather than uh, the really long stuff. So um, yeah, I think I'll be concentrating on 10Ks, 5Ks, half marathons, that kind of thing. Nice. I think that's... I think those are the best distances. Not to yeah, I do as well. Actually, you know, yeah. not to diminish anyone else's achievements, but you know, I think they're better. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- talking of ten k, there was a big race on the weekend, wasn't there? And Mo Farah missed out on Aww. on Tokyo. I think he missed out by twenty two seconds. So that's a, that's I mean, quite a lot. A, it's a load. He isn't said it? Um, yeah. he said um, he had an ankle injury, which I wonder. I imagine he actually does, but that must be so hard. I just feel bad for the guy. I guess the other thing is he's, he's 38 now, isn't he? Um, so that is that is getting on in kind of elite uh, distance running Mate, terms. It's getting on it? in any um, old terms, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, uh, so may, you know, maybe we are seeing the end of end of uh, Mo's career. Um, I don't know if he's going to want to go back to marathons. I don't get the sense that no. he will. But, um, I mean, he's achieved everything, hasn't he? So perhaps, you know, perhaps it's not the worst thing to, to bow out now. I mean, there is still an opportunity, I guess, to run the time. Yeah, I think he's got 20 days, hasn't he? He's got 20 days to run the time to qualify. I think it's 20 days. But it'd have to be a... I'm thinking about what what event there'd be. Maybe you should just go to go to Ben's event. Yeah, come to... You can come to, come to our track. <laughs> no, if you're listening, we found you an event. Imagine that, yeah. Ben. Imagine yeah. you could do a podcast with Mo on the run. I... You're... That's very kind of you, Jane, to suggest that I could possibly keep up with Mo in any capacity. <laughs> you could pace him for 100 whilst metres. chatting. It'd be the shortest conversation he's ever had. You could borrow, You could have a little scooter and yeah. um, scoot along next to Mo. Yeah, that sounds better. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> I look forward to my race with Mo now. I really hope this yeah. happens. I was looking at another article on the, on the on our wonderful website and it was talking about um, this guy, Joshua Pattinson from Made in Chelsea, became the first person to run a yeah, marathon in all four countries in the UK in 24 hours. I think he destroyed his body while doing it but got like a stretch he got like a stress fracture and all sorts didn't oh, he oh right right but you know but still, worth it that's what happens is that a better running achievement or a better like travelling logistics achievement oh, I don't know I, mean, I don't know how we did like did, do you think the travel time count did he do it all do you know what I mean did the travel time count or did he do all four marathons within 24 hours no I think it's, I think the travel time's got to count right it's like the kind yeah, of three peaks so I guess yeah. you do it like in like Bristol and then drive an hour and be in Wales and then yeah I don't know get to Scotland get Scotland it's it's kind of almost funny that the 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 sort of 
TV celeb element of it makes it mm. you sort of question it a bit more or certainly I do maybe yeah. that's the cynic in me but you kind of look at it and you're going oh right you know but if it was a Ross Edgley or a Sean Conway or a, yeah. do you know what I mean if it was like someone with, you kind of would be like oh well <laughs> if it was run as well as Rick Pearson then you'd just be like oh it's run of the mill it's standard issue stuff but it's kind of funny that like because there's a sort of celebrity side to it and it's particularly sort of like Jane, what's it? Made in Chelsea? Yeah, made, yeah, Chelsea. made in Chelsea. Right, fine. I, I asked Jane because I, I sort of feel like Jane would know and I have no idea. <laughs> he was with Binky for a while and they were on and off. And yeah, it was, yeah. He, he was on Made in Chelsea for a few years. I, like, I love that I'm the like celebrity gossip correspondent, but I'll take that. I think he, um, I think he did it for mental health charity too, which is cool. I think it was Samaritans, yeah, but yeah. I might be wrong. But that's cool. It's really good. I've got a I've got a Made in Chelsea story for you, Ben. Actually, tell me. So I used to be in um, a function band, right? We called the Blue yep. Attic, and uh, fantastic, already so, brilliant. <laughs> and uh, at the Blue, this is this is about ten years ago. Um, we got this email from Made in Chelsea, and they said um, it's a season finale, and we're looking <gasps> we're looking for a band oh to come and play like, in, in the background, right? <laughs> We were like, yeah, obviously we turn up. So we turned yeah, up. Yeah, we'll definitely do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, like pretty much. Artistically, no, you went, oh, no, I'm not sure no about money. this. Isn't it? Like, no and money. Then, oh, no money? Uh, oh. So I'd never watched this program. I knew, I knew it was, I knew like of it, but I'd never watched it. So we, we turned up and like, they're all there. Like, what's his name? Ollie, is it Ollie Spencer? Or like the guy who was on Strictly Come Dancing's there as well. Um, and we have to, we get, we get told we have to play Wild Thing. So we're like, <laughs> playing wild fingers all the made in chelsea lot of like dancing around the dance floor and then um yeah the guy from the guy was on strictly the guy with the kind of peroxide blonde hair jamie lang he, he had to get up jamie lang got up and sang with us for about 10 seconds it, it was a really long day it lasted about 14 hours and then it ended up in being about five seconds of tv which i think is pretty standard but i have been on made in chelsea that's what i'm saying wow. oh my goodness how are we only just hearing this <laughs> so you know you know jp better than anyone rick tell us tell us more <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was lost on me actually because I, I really wasn't sure like even what the premise was i was like is this like bad acting or is this like real or i'm still not sure were you was it basically a like a private performance for the cast is that kind of and they were just dancing around and you no, were it was just all there. Filmed. There was no it was one like, it was for the episode. there was no one else there though no one else there no how many times did you have That's to play it, it? Uh, yeah like probably about 10 times per song there's about three oh songs yeah god yeah I'm glad I shared that. I feel like that's a weight off. In some ways, I've been carrying that around, you know, inside I like me. It. And it, was, it feels good to to explain who I really am. The circles you move in, <laughs> Mr. Pearson. <laughs> uh, should we get on our guest of the week? Yeah, let's get to our guest of our week. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete Charlie Dark is a runner, a DJ, a poet, a community builder, a mentor, a yoga teacher, a Lululemon global ambassador, and the founder of Rundem Crew. And he joins us to discuss all these things and more. So, Charlie, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. Um, I think before we go back in time, and I'd like to go quite far back because I think there's a lot to talk about. How's your running as of today? Um, I would say that because of COVID my relationship with running has had to change because prior to kind of the lockdown of the world, a large amount of my time was spent running with other people and large amounts of other people. 
And I'd say over the last year that a lot of that has been exchanged for running by myself or running with my partner. But running for me has always, for a very long time now, been about much more than just training for races, distances, speed, and so on and so forth. It's definitely become a more holistic, you know, connection. So definitely more mindful connection. And I definitely am very thankful for the fact that I had running in my life and the movement practice in my life, you know, to get me through the, the course of the last year. Absolutely. It's, um, we've, we've talked to other people about this and I mean, I don't know how uh, race focused your running was anyway, but you know, how the, just the rediscovery of running as a privilege that was not taken away from us and how that sort of allowed, you know what I mean? And how that shifted the, um, the sort of the relationship with it, as you, as you, uh, you know, say, it's just, it's phenomenal how once you take something for granted, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is so important to me. <laughs> like, and it, yeah, most definitely. yeah, and it's just sort of like highlights that wonderful thing that running is. I think that's, uh, that's what last year's definitely shown for, for me. That's for sure. Yeah, most definitely. I think, I think people who had a physical practice kind of dealt with things a lot more easily yeah. than those who didn't, you know, and, um, running, I think definitely can help with your mental state at the best of times, particularly when you're going through a global lockdown. What, what role does um, running play in your creative process, Charlie? Because I know one, one of the strings to your bow is that, you, that you're a poet as well. Um, I'm a poet and a, and a DJ. And I would say I, I wouldn't be able to continue doing those things if I didn't have running in my life. They've always gone hand in hand. When I first started running, it was very much about kind of making music in the studio writing poems you know recording these kind of soundtracks to run to being able to record my thoughts around running in a kind of poetic form was really important to me particularly when trying to encourage new people into it um i would say now it's very much about it gives me thinking time it's the only time of the day when i am not contactable by email <laughs> generally i will turn my phone off that's quite good to have yeah. that space it gives me a chance to work on new ideas to think about new ideas develop new ideas listen to new ideas and you know from a dj point of view i would say you know the thing about being a runner is you're always thinking about what time the next footstep will lead you to if I do this today, then later down the line, this reward will happen. As a DJ, you're kind of you're always thinking two or three, four records ahead. So there's a kind of pa parallel in that. And so the ability to kind of get into the zone whilst running, I find very helpful in the creative process when I'm, you know, if you're in a club of a thousand people and you're in control of everyone's emotions, you kind of want to be in the zone and tuned into what's going on. Otherwise, it could go wrong very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they've always, um, you know, they've always been things that have gone hand in hand. And that's one of the reasons why I started Run Them. Because I, my experience of kind of running clubs and the running industry was very much about just focused on the running and not how what you were learning from running was impacting in the rest of your life. Has it ever been a, has it ever been a distraction? Have you ever like, we've talked to, we've had, poets on previously and comedians and writers and they've all talked about how 
sometimes the the best ideas come to them on a run but sometimes the running kind of can add to the like if you have that crux of like the creative process comes on the run and then you're running and it's not happening and it's like ah no <laughs> yeah, i've definitely been for the phase of overrunning you know because I, I think people swap one addiction for another and so it's i think it's really easy to get into running from the punishment side of like i'm really gonna punish myself now to see how hard i am um you know running too many races back to back and too many miles and all of that kind of stuff but i think that's part of the enthusiasm that comes with when you discover something new that you didn't think you were going to be good at and then you find all these other like-minded people and suddenly you're swept along in this wave of kind of you know momentum and it's, it's very easy to get carried away um it's you know i always used to say I wasn't sure whether I was running towards a new version of myself or running away from an old version. Whereas now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm kind of, I'm just accepting the person I am today. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think um, we'd be mad not to talk about Rundem Crew and its influence on the running scene in the UK globally. It's huge. Like where did, you kind of touched on it, but where did that, where did it start? Where did it come from? It kind of came actually out of a period of darkness where I was really disillusioned with the music industry, the creative industries. I didn't really feel like I had a place and I wanted to kind of restart my journey. And I fell into running through having a large trainer collection. I just kind of accumulated this humongous trainer collection. I was just thinking, <laughs> well, some of these are actually designed for running. I've never actually tested them out. It was a Christmas day and, you know, I think Christmas days around that time of the year, you start really assessing your life and your achievements of that year. And I think I was in a place where I was looking in the mirror and I wasn't very happy with what I was seeing coming back. And um, I went out for that run on that Christmas day and it was, and my life changed from the first footstep it was kind of, I just had that transformation and I, and I just fell in love with this new world and wanted to share it with, you know, as many people as possible, but particularly people from the music industry, from the creative industries, the people that I was, you know, were working with and had friendships with. Cause I just thought this is an amazing drug. Like you gotta, you gotta check this out. This is like, it's really cool. Like, you know, they do these weird little races and they dress up in a funny gear and they got their own little language. Oh man, it's really cool. You know? And, um, and I, I think when we look at running now, after this kind of 15 year boom and renaissance of running, and it's quite cool to run and hang out in like all day and there's all the gadgets you can get, there's all the stuff. It's, it's easy to forget how it used to be, you know, when it was kind of, you were like, this is a weird little world, man. This is, a <laughs> you know, um, and I'm really happy, you know, run them was an accident. It wasn't supposed to ever become as influential or as large or as globally recognized as it has become. But I think it was just something that just arrived at a time when people really needed a way of connecting with each other. You know, at a time when the world, because I would say because of the rise of technology, was actually making, you know, personal connection quite fragmented. Do you... um? 
Do you remember what shoes they were on that first Christmas Day run? Did you break out some like limited edition, like got them covered in snow? Like, unfortunately, they were some limited edition pair of running shoes. They weren't actually that good. <laughs> That's why I remember about them. Just thinking these shoes are actually not that great, you know. And then that led that down the whole um, shoe route. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I, I think um, running, running has been so influential. As you say, now it's actually changed the landscape of what um, recreational running uh, looks like. But when you when you started off, it, it was. It must have been so revolutionary. I think I don't like the term being a disruptor, but I feel like in many ways that was absolutely what Rondem Crew was. It went into a quite sort of, um, I don't know, old kind of traditional running club world, and it really shook things up. Was that was that like the intention, or was that just kind of what ended up happening? It was very very deliberate from the very beginning. Mm. I went to a race at Battersea Park, and I just. I remember pulling up in the car park. I had like a really big sound system in my car. You know, I'm wearing kind of totally inappropriate footwear, totally inappropriate apparel. And I just remember being on the start line, just thinking, I'm looking at everyone else like they're aliens. And they're looking at me like I'm a complete alien. And there was this kind of um, athlete who I didn't know was like a super professional athlete in an all-in-one kind of tracksuit. Right. You know, and then suddenly she kind of, flipped the sides down <laughs> and it was just like this gazelle appeared in front of everyone and she took off and I was just like man this is this is wild like I've never seen this before I like this side of running I've never seen and I suddenly realized that most people's idea of running is based upon their memories from school which are often bad they're not, not often happy memories or they're based on watching the London Marathon on TV and when you watch the London Marathon on TV, as you know, it's very different from running it in person or going to watch it in person and being there for the whole day. You know, it's kind of the the Kenyan and elite athlete part is such a small part of the marathon story. And with each kind of layer of running that I kind of discovered, I was I just, I just thought to myself, this actually is really a really special thing, this running thing. But in order for it to reach the people who could really benefit from it, it's going to need a bit of a shake-up and a remix. And coming from a music background where I was often being asked to remix records, I spent a large amount of time as a remixer or sampling old records and making new records from them, or you know, being part of musical subcultures where they were taking something from here and a little sprinkle of this and a bit of this, it was a really natural thing for me to just come into it and be and steal ideas from every other influence other than from the running world. And I just think very quickly, you know, two things happened. One, we discovered that we were actually good at it. You know, in a very short space of time, you know, we'd gone from, you know, the, the fastest guy in the crew was like five and a half hour marathon. And we were like, oh, he's a god. Yeah. You know, and then someone broke four hours and it was like, oh my God, this is incredible, you know. And he'd been in the pub to like, you know, you know, <laughs> the morning. And then, you know, there was like the first person to go after under three and a half hours and then people start qualifying for Boston. And suddenly it was like, and then when you start meeting people from around the world who were also doing similar things, you suddenly realise this is a movement. This is picking up momentum. There is, you know we can really make something out of this because we can see how beneficial this is to our communities. 
you know and i think that was the drive the drive was never about kind of relationships with brands and you know opportunities that come with that it was always about how can we use this thing that we've fallen in love with to help and more importantly empower the communities that we work and live in life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So we've had Corey on. We talked about Track Mafia and where he came from, and obviously he came from Rundem. We've had Tyler on, who's now got the Outrunners. That was a Rundem. We've had Matilda on. She's you know, and it's kind of this the roots of all of these clubs, and especially things like Outrunners, which Tyler's doing is is a hundred. It's a charity now. He's worked to get make it so that he through running and through a running club is benefiting the youth of Hackney. Going back to what Rick says is like disrupting it. Running clubs have, didn't do that in the past. There wasn't that sort of like, there was a community side to it, but it wasn't that sort of, it was insular. It was running community together rather than outward looking. And I think that's where the big impact of Rundem has really sort of like shining now. I think the, the thing I always say is there has to be running clubs in order to have a Rundem crew you know, and the two are interact. And I think what's been really interesting over the years is obviously when we first came out and similar organisations afterwards, there was this almost this like, wow, these guys are really exciting. And the running club guys, oh man, they're old school. Where actually we were looking at the running club guys, like what can we learn from these guys? Because, you know, they're doing something, you know, we've got like, you know, the graphics and the la la la, you know, but these guys have got some hardcore knowledge that's been passed down from generations that we we really want to learn from and i wish there were more occasion occasions and places and times where we could integrate and meet together because one thing i would say people who run them is kind of you're not supposed to come to run them and stay there for the rest of your running career it's supposed to be a feeding spot into you know team gb clubs and so on and so forth because you've got guys there who can really take what you're you know that raw talent that we're discovering into a higher level you know and um that that's one of my things that i you know that i'm really pushing for 
you know, in this Rundem Crew 0.40 version once the world is reopened, that we spend a bit more time, you know, you know, in in that world, kind of, you know, exchanging ideas and 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 learning. You know, because I think we can both benefit from each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all just a, it's just a, you know, metamorphosis, isn't it? It's like taking from here, taking from there, as you say, remixing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it needs a remix because my, my thing from Run Them from the very beginning was. I was at secondary school when the Co and Ovette kind of and Steve Cram yeah. battle was unfolding. And that was kind of transfixing for me. And my thing has always been, what can we do to discover raw talent that's maybe being overlooked that can help the team GB and, you know, British middle distance running yeah. and long distance running situation in the future? That's always been our thing because... There's something really amazing but when you work with a kid who's only ever played football, doesn't consider themselves a runner, doesn't have running shoes, and goes a runner runs a 128 in Air Force One yeah. <laughs> at the local half marathon with no training. Yeah. You know, you're just like, okay, hold on a minute. This is <laughs> yeah, yeah. and doesn't even think that's impressive. It's just like, oh yeah, that was really cool. That was quite fun. It's like, wow, you know. <laughs> it's kind of, what do you do with that? You know? So um so yeah, I I, I think we've definitely contributed to a healthy uk running scene i was going to ask you about the mentoring stuff because as ben touched on like um lots of people have gone on to create their own uh running crews uh came through um run them and, they, and they're always so like incredibly positive about um the influence that you had on them but i wonder as a mentor what are you, what are you looking for in someone let's not talk about necessarily like them being a great runner but if you're looking at someone who could go on maybe to start their own thing is there are there qualities that you're that you're looking to bring out you've done you've done so much of it my qualities that i look for is never about how fast or well they run because that can be taught the thing that i'm looking for is do you have the ability to hold space for other people so that when you walk into a room people know that you're there do you have the ability to lead by example you know, are you prepared to do what you ask the people who follow you to do? And I think that's one of the reasons why Run has been successful, because I've always led from the point of, I'm not going to ask you to do the Boston training if I wouldn't do it with you, you know. And I'm not going to ask you to step into an unknown that I'm unprepared to go with you along that journey with. You know, because we've all grown up with the old school coach. It's kind of, you've never seen them move, <laughs> but they're really good at blowing the whistle and carrying a clipboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they keep telling you about, back in the day, I did, you know, like, yeah, but it's now and you're asking me to run extra laps. I want you to come do it with me. Um, and I, I think it's p- people, I think everyone is a leader. Everyone has leadership qualities. And places like Run Them allow people and give them a chance to lead even if it's just you're leading five runners on that week's run, you know, and giving people responsibility in small doses so that you're kind of shaping them into these leadership qualities and avenues and paths without them even realising. And the mentoring within Run Them has always been very informal because I always, you know, remember that as a DJ when I first started DJing at warehouse parties in the 80s, it was, you'd go to a party and there would be, you know, posh girls from Kensington. There's going to be, you know, drug dealers from Brighton. There's kind of like, you know, 
you know, this type of person, a load of models here. And, and that's what made the party was the fact that you had a room full of all these different types of people who eventually realized that the thing they had in common was they were all into music. And that was the most important thing. And all the other differences could be celebrated and explored during the course of that evening. And so I love the fact that you've got people, you know, you've got, you know, multi-millionaires running against with people who've, you know, are just leaving school, you know, or, you know, or people, who've, you know, all different types of people who come, you know, I try to make run them a, a, a really nice reflection of the type of people that you will meet in London. One of the really important things about Rundum was it was representative and it was like it actually it offered people who non-white people a, a, a place where they would run with people who look like them rather than you know and as you, I don't know what your experience of that Battersea race was but I'm pretty sure it was quite white <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah you know all the black guys were Kenyan yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I think that you know that's you know that's that is, that in itself is was super important for Rundum I think you know that that impact that it had as is you know as a place for non-white people to go running together yeah yeah because i think i think that people it's very difficult to explain to someone who's never ever had to think about you know that in their minds before where you know where every door is open to them and every opportunity is available to them but for a lot of people who grew up in kind of you know communities of color before you've even tried something you've had your whole childhood being told oh, that's not what we do, or that's not something that you guys do. And so a lot of us kind of like will arrive at something that could be really beneficial for us or really exciting for us with this fear, trepidation. If you look at rap videos, they're always in the sun, in Miami, you know, in a mansion, surrounded by models with a massive swimming pool that no one ever gets into. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just this thing that's there. <laughs> You know, because you've been taught your life is like, oh, swimming, that's no, 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 we don't, we don't swim. We don't mm. do that. And, you know, for myself at Run Them, I was just like, why is it that, you know, runners of colour who are from, you know, who are fast are celebrated, but we're not celebrating the fireman who's running the five-hour marathon at the back, you know? And I was just kind of like, running is in the DNA of everyone, regardless of race, colour, gender, class wherever you are in the world it's just that over the years some people have just been told it's not something that you do but I just you know as a black man coming into the running field you know one I felt you know you know really kind of welcomed in you know so what I realized is that I was maybe arriving at some of these situations with some of my own reservations you know and actually what I realized is that running could be a bridge to conversations about race, class, gender, and so on and so forth. And so if I led by example and I got people like myself, I knew it would change the narrative of, particularly of the options available to other young people like myself in my community, you know, and um, and we've proved it with the, with the Youngers Project where you've got these kind of, you know, young kids of colour coming out who are just like, their whole worlds have been transformed by the fact that they're doing something that they've never been encouraged to do, but they found this little group who were like, oh man, it's cool, yeah. You're black kid, yeah? Yeah, let's go and run an ultra marathon tomorrow. Yeah. What? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, and it, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's cool. I think the thing is, it's, it's very natural for people to be cautious of people who are different 
from them. That's okay, you know. Um, but what I think should be encouraged is kind of, and should be taught is, how do you start the conversation? How, you know, how do you bring change? You know, if you put two lions in the cage with a piece of meat, eventually they're going to get tired of walking around at some point, And then one of them is going to try, you know, try and take it. So I think it's just, you know, it's just about, it's just about, you know, the art of movement just brings people together in the same way that music brings people together. Because the one thing I do know about this, final two miles of the London Marathon when your legs are falling off. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like people are like, okay, well, I'm going to help him and I'm not helping her. (laughs) People just don't care. It's just like, I will take help from anywhere. (laughs) I will take encouragement from anywhere because we're all trying to get to the end. And and that's what I love about running is regardless of class, colour, gender, sexuality, beliefs, the road and the distance remains the same. And it asks you that question, are you ready? If you're ready, it will reward you. If it's if you're not, it will humble you and it will teach you a lesson. And that, you know, and that for me is kind of like one of the purest forms of education that you can have. Do you, do you think, Charlie, that uh, that running's become like moving in the right direction um, in terms of being more diverse, being more open to people of all colours and all all backgrounds? I think that the running industry and the running world is making steps. I think it's realizing that there's it, there's more work that could be done. Um, I don't think that the speed that it's happening is quick enough because I still think there's a lot of hand-holding of like, you know, it's not about politics, it's not about race, it's just about running. And I think that's, you know, that's impossible, you know, um, because politics, race and so on and so forth, you know, touches everything in this world, particularly in the climate we live in now. But I'm very, very positive about the future, you know, seeing organisations like um, the Black Trail Runners Network, you know, seeing the work you know the rise of these other small tiny crews where there's like four or five people and it's just some guys in the state and they're doing their thing and i and what i like is that at least a conversation has started because definitely you know as welcoming as running has been there's definitely situations that i felt personally where i've definitely not felt welcomed and i felt prejudged i don't want to be i don't want to buy spikes for the 100 meters i need some hardcore trail shoes stop talking to me about the spikes you know but again i think you know when i look at the world it's kind of every 10 15 years there's a renaissance and there's a change and there's a small bit of growth you know and then you know and then something else happens and then there's some more change i don't expect it to change overnight because we're dealing with a industry that has been very successful at remaining the same for a very long time you know but when I look at kind of the fact that, you know, I work and mentor the whole bike storms movement, which is kind of kids who ride mountain bikes and do wheelies in heavy traffic, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that crew. We had 8,000 young people came to the last ride that we did. When I look at that, I'm just thinking, well, that's 8,000 potential runners. You know, so why is it that kids are going to ride a bike that costs money or they're now, you know, a lot of the kids are on roller skates, but running something that's not entering into their mind. I think that's because a lot for, for many people, they still feel that they're not welcomed or it's not something for them. You know, and my job in what I do is to try and make people realise that, no, you know what, you can 
because we can't wait for Beyonce to run an ultramarathon spot happening <laughs> <laughs> at any time. So, so. I, ran, I ran a New York marathon when um, Alicia Keys ran it. So, you know. Yeah, right. And yeah. I, yeah. And I only started running because Oprah and Puff Daddy started running. I was just like, well, <laughs> you know, Beyonce's, Beyonce's got the song though, right? She's got the running song. She's got the running song. So, but yeah. I think, you know, when people like that start doing it, which I think eventually they will do, mm. you know, because then you're going to see a real kind of flip and change in people's perceptions on on who can be a runner. Yeah, for sure. And that for me goes down to kind of even when I look at running magazines and I look at the type of models that are on the cover. You know, there's a period of time where you like, that guy does not run. He can't run. <laughs> He's like, you don't run. He's not running. So at least now when you look at the covers, you're seeing a more realistic representation of the types of people, you know, who run. It's still not perfect. But we're getting there, you know, and and I know that change has never come overnight. And I think that's one of the things that I think people need to realise is people expect change to happen overnight. And everyone wants to be the one who's going to be, I'm going to bring the change. You know, I'm, I'm just a small part in the very large jigsaw. Your Worldwide FM show. Yes. Um, comes with comes with the title Peace, po- Positivity and Blessings. Yes. Uh, and I want to know how you achieve all of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think one of the things I learned from my yoga practice, being a yoga teacher, going to do my yoga teacher training, is the acceptance of who you are today, right now. The acceptance of the now. This idea of kind of live your life with peace in your heart. You know, it's kind of, I think lots of us have been taught, you know, it's like, you know, the first time that you get into a fight or you, something happens at school, you go home. One of those radical parents are like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to go back tomorrow and you're going to punch him straight in the nose. You're like, okay, wicked, great. So then suddenly this becomes your thing of dealing with everything in life is any confrontation is a threat. You know, at all times, you must stand up for yourself. At no point must you show vulnerability or weakness. And I realized, actually, that for myself, that doesn't work. I'm a peaceful guy. That's who I am. You know, at times of my life, I've, you know, I've tried to make my body look bigger through lifting heavy stuff. So I'd have more. Mm. Doesn't really work. You know, I've <laughs> I've tried all being super intellectual, that that didn't really work, you know, being hanging out with criminals, that didn't work, you know. So now my thing is just live your life with peace in your heart. At all times, try and remain positive. Try and look for the positive light. You know, there's always a, a glimmer of positivity somewhere if you look hard enough. And whenever you come into contact with another person, you know, walk with this idea. If you do well, I do well. This is not a competition between us. This is a, you know, it's your world. I just live here. So let me bless you and you'll give me your blessings back. And I've been a much happier person since I adopted that philosophy. And I think during lockdown, when I first started doing my worldwide show, I I suddenly realized that there was a lot going on in the world that people didn't really know how to talk about what to think, what to say. And actually, I find that through music, you know, I always say the music is in the message, the message is in the music. So I just wanted to create, create this space where on a Friday, at the end of your week, 
is you're preparing for the weekend ahead of another lockdown, you know, more Netflix. You'd have this hours of positivity where you could come together with like-minded people and actually listen to someone who was, you know, if he was happy, then you knew it. If he was feeling vulnerable, then you knew it. If, if there were things you wanted to talk about, then you knew it. So it felt like there was a human voice, you know, talking directly to you. You know, and that's kind of, um, you know, that's that, that's just how I, good vibes only. It's kind of, um, you only get one life. And so actually to live it with so much negativity in your heart is actually not very sensible. <laughs> it's kind of like, why would you do that? It's kind of, you know, why would you do that? I think, um, you know, a lot of us, you know, it's that really weird thing. I don't, you know, you probably had this, like, where you've chased a time in running. Like really, and you've worked your socks off to get that time, and then you get the time, and then it doesn't really mean as much to you after a while because oh, now we're in a global lockdown. So the fact that you've got like fifty marathon medals in your drawer, that's not really helping you right now, Charlie. It's like you know, it's kind of like you know, it's suddenly you realise that there are more important things to be focusing on, and. Um, yeah, you know, that's just, you know, that's how we're rolling. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, and I, and I always say to people, especially when I work with younger people, they're like, man, you're like Yoda, man. Like, whoa. Like, and I'm like, yeah, but I never used to always be like this. This is part of a journey. And that's one of the things that I always say to people with running. It's kind of, it's a journey. But many people I've seen in run that, you know, they came in, run them two years, they burned really brightly, achieved some amazing things. And then they stopped running, they never ran again. But one of the, the biggest things that always resonated with me was the first time I did London Marathon and being passed one of, by one of those old school club runners. You know, those guys in the 70s, you know, in their 70s. They've yeah, only ever tiny had little one vest. Tiny <laughs> vest, tiny shorts, super hairy legs. <laughs> old school running shoes and you fly past them at mile 14 kind of waving like aha and then at mile 24 they come past you and they they sh- and they get you and you suddenly realize that yeah it's about being able to wake up every day and have this ability to put one foot in front of the other and go out on an adventure that's what we're about and so you know if that means that my running has to change as my mindset changes and my body changes and my circumstances change, that's okay. So I think I've been lucky enough to um, hear you talk more about being a mindful runner through Lululemon. So can we kind of touch on that and what it means to kind of be an ambassador for them and the work you're doing with them? Yeah, um, I've been working with Lululemon now, probably about three years now. And it's been interesting because they arrived in my life at exactly the point that I needed that kind of wellness world to be in my world because I definitely was at a point where I'd been running superly hard, been doing all the miles. I'd been doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing. And I was accumulating off the races and working my way towards Boston and the journey was all there. And then I got injured. And it's very funny about running because when it's raining or it's cold and you don't want to go, you think of every excuse in the world. When you're injured, it does not matter what <laughs> weather is outside. You're just like, I need to get outside yeah. and run. Um, 
And so this idea of mindful running was very much introduced to me through encountering yoga. And this idea of kind of, you know, yoga, from a distance, it looks kind of just very superly gentle and it's kind of, that's not going to give me a workout and, you know, that's not going to make me, and actually going there and being very humbled in the same way that I was humbled by when I first started running. But there were some principles that really kind of resonated with me. And this idea of, you know, we'd got to a point with Run Them where it was so big and so huge and we were so well known that people actually were scared to come because they were put off by, wow, these guys, must they're all doing races and they've all got models and medals and they've all got the watches and they're, they're doing this. And actually, when we started looking at running in a, through a more mindful lens, this idea of, it not being about speed and it not being about distance, but actually about how it made you feel, the lessons you learned about yourself on the run, who you were sharing that with, what impact you hoped that would have. Suddenly it opened up this a door to a new group of people to come and start trying it out. And um, And I really do feel that kind of, particularly after a year of COVID, you know, and the year of lockdown, that actually this idea of moving because it makes me feel good is perhaps more of an incentive than I'm moving because I'm training for a race. You know, and so um, what I really like about Lou Lemon is obviously they come from this wellness background. And so when I start talking about running in a mindful way, people aren't looking at me like, Okay, what, what what what's he talking about? <laughs> what, pace, what pace is that? What pace is mindful? <laughs> yeah, what pace is mindful? <laughs> like tempo you know? running with a smile. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because I because I, uh, I just think that actually, you know, a big thing for me is kind of when I go out on my runs now is thinking, looking at the five senses. You know, what do I what do I see? What did I hear? You know, was there? You know, how, how did the air feel against my skin? And so and so forth, and taking almost like a childlike approach to running because that's another thing that's really interesting about even just watching my own kids grow up is there was a point in their lives where you could not keep them still they were always trying to test out their running legs you were always running after them somewhere and then all of a sudden they went to secondary school and they stopped and then suddenly running became about who came first second or third and who was the best at it and again, I think that, you know, those are barriers, which, you know, you know, I'm trying to do my utmost to overcome because you know what it's like when you have that friend who is like, who thinks you're a bit weird because you do that running thing. And, you know, I've had lots of them during lockdown, like Charlie, you know, don't tell anyone, but I started running. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I really like it. And now they're running more than me, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of, that's like a you know a really amazing, amazing um, feeling, and so um, you know what I like about Lululemon is that when I go to their races, they feel very inclusive. You know, and there's you know as much celebration for the four-hour half marathon runner as there is for the, you know, the guy who comes across the line first, and that's really you know that's really important. I think that we we create a space where everyone is welcome and everyone has, you know, 
everyone everyone's ideas are welcomed. Is it is it Vancouver half? Is that their one? Yes, yeah, the seaweeds. Oh, it's, that's the one. I, I look so good. Is it you? It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing race. I mean, they do. One thing I will say about them is like they do a great running event. You know, it's kind of because I think what they understand is that it's more than just the middle. There's the whole journey leading up to it. I, you know, I think one of the f- things that got me when I first started running was I didn't think anyone else in my area was running. I was convinced I was the only one. And I remember going to London Marathon and then I'm coming out of my house, I'm seeing all these other people with red bags going into the station. And I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. It's like, you know, and that's all part of, um, that's all part of the journey. Charlie, thanks so much for coming on the uh, the Run As Well podcast and talking a bit more about a run dem crew and your own running journey and some of the, the stuff that you're you're trying to achieve. It was absolutely great to great talk for you. No problem. No, good to speak to you too. So that brings us to the end of this week's Run As Well podcast. A big thanks to our guest, Charlie Dark, and to you, of course, for listening. You can once again subscribe to three issues of Runner's World for just £5. Head to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash Runner's World podcast to get this exclusive listener offer. Or even better... Just get 12 issues because that's a whole year's worth. (laughs) The Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes and all your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK and click subscribe. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.